We are the Borg. Prepare your human ears for green shirt assimilation. Existence as you know it is over. Cameron's transformation from next generation newbie is well underway. Will someone please explain the holodeck to me? Co-hosts Marcy and Rob are adding their biological distinctiveness to his. Ugh, gross. And I quit. Arnold doesn't like it. This week's episode, Memory. Resistance, Resistance is futile. Is futile. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow is my birthday. Hey. Yes. Yeah. Happy birthday. And I realize that it's going to be the most low-key birthday I've ever had. Generally, I think our group of friends, especially from Alaska, are super about like having big costume parties like cam always does it and i feel like i love to have like a costume party so i guess i'm a little disappointed but also i've just become more and more antisocial to the point that like now i'm eh, whatever welcome the pandemic with open eyes yeah i'm just like as i stay more alone i want to be more alone which is probably just depression but anyway Yay, for depression. Yay, depression. But I was thinking about, like, what my best party ever was. And it was the party I did, the 1920s party, speakeasy party I did. Oh, yeah, that was the one we couldn't make it to. Yeah, that was, was like... why it was the best party. The ultimate party. That was not the reason. But, like, (laughs) I sent out, like, handwritten invitations it was an amazing invitation folks and you couldn't come without a costume and i said you had to bring a candle because it was like a lights out party and like everything was lit by candles and you couldn't have your cell phones on and people actually like talked to each other because they couldn't be on their cell phones and the ambiance of the candles and like everybody stayed and we had like this little handmade booklet that had all kinds of like uh, cocktails from the 1920s and people were like making their own cocktails and so I'm not really disappointed that I can't have a party because all I have to do is imagine that time <laughs> and I goes I go back to it well hello listeners and welcome to this week's episode of green shirt I am Cameron who is just now recovering from the trauma of never having watched The Next Generation while growing up. And here to help me through this process, <laughs> my co-hosts, my familia, my rivalrous siblings, we have the Michael Corleone to my sonny, it's the Rob father. Uh, make an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> Good. Horse head in your bed. <laughs> and the dotty to my kit, it's the Alaska peach herself, Marcy. Yay! I throw you a league of their own bone whenever I can. Yeah, that's true. When I hear Dottie, I think of Pee Wee's Has anybody seen my new red hat? (laughs) And uh, here in the guest chair with us this week, we have the Gomez to my fester. Ramon is in the house. Hambo Jitsu. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) That will be my uh, aloha, my welcome, and my goodbye. And your safe word. Pretty much. (laughs) Your safe word. (laughs) So, Ramon, thank you for coming. I actually don't know much about your relationship with The Next Generation. It sounds like you know a lot about it, though. Uh, you seem pretty knowledgeable. What What is your standing? What's your relationship status? Well, I watched TNG when it first came out, late 80s, early 90s in LA, Channel mm-hmm. 13, every single week, 
you better believe it, we're excited. And <laughs> when you guys started the podcast three years ago, I, I thought it was just fascinating and be able to uh, watch it again with new eyes. And it's been a treat for me. Some stuff that I obviously missed completely and some stuff just stayed with me forever. And What things have you, uh, in your rewatching, really you like struck a, cor- uh, struck a chord? Like, oh man, I really remember that episode or scene. Do you have any of those? I remember one, at the, the Encounter at Farpoint episode, the first time I saw the little kid with the Vulcan ears, that was imprinted in my memory forever. Like, hmm. they are in, they're including Vulcans, and there are no real Vulcans, or not that many Vulcans in TNG, <laughs> yeah. at least in the first couple of seasons. But That's I was true. so so excited about that. And Fucking cool. Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> but, but I was very, very happy when, when it came back, when they started TNG, and when you guys started this new podcast, I was just over the moon. So, Well, I'm glad to hear that. I do try to be everyone's virgin eyes for them to re-see this episode through. Yeah. Well, this week we watched Family, otherwise known as the Iron Man 3 of the Star Trek Cinematic Universe. <laughs> it's only slightly less fire-breathing. Do I get that? Rob's not making the connection. Do I get that? To you. Do I? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's the installment right after like a big, epic, game-changing installment that deals with the main character actually having to deal with the trauma of that previous, uh, those previous events, which you don't normally see in especially shows of that time or even nowadays. Sure. And I'm going to wager equally as divisive. We'll find out how everyone oh, feels yeah. shortly, uh, but we'll, no. we'll see. Hmm. I've got my wagers on where everyone stands. I want to hear now. <laughs> I want to hear your wager now. I think uh, Rob and I are going to have a lot of problems with this episode, and Marcy and Ramon are going to love it. I, yeah, I'll tell you now. Spoiler: I think it's fine. <laughs> I think the, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll get into it. The, you know, the title yeah. of the episode is "Family," and that's really they hit that hard a little on the nose. <laughs> they don't deviate. It's not one of those episodes where I have to ask what the title meant. <laughs> well, let's jump in. We uh, we open on what I think is a, is a positive note, is an amazing shot of the Enterprise in dry dock. We started with a close-up. Everything looks normal. Then we pull out to reveal... A claw machine. <laughs> a, a hat. An Enterprise hat. I like it. Yeah. I gotta say, the repair dock was listed as uh, McKinley Station. Yeah. I automatically mm-hmm. thought, the Denali Station. Yeah. <laughs> Got the name changed. Right. Gotta be uh, <laughs> appropriate. <laughs> oh, that's good. I knew McKinley was probably a bad a bad man, so I liked it. Uh, yes. <laughs> I like that. I was like, I wonder what space McKinley they named him after, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's so, right. That's right. For anyone in the audience who doesn't know, there's Mount McKinley, but it's actually Denali to anyone who's in Alaska. And they finally officially changed it to Denali. Thanks, Obama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Obama. <laughs> I do still kind of wish that we had seen some battle damage on the Enterprise at all in the last three episodes. They keep talking about how damaged it is and how it needs repairs. I mean, I know that they probably just have the one model and they don't want to scuff it up. But I'm just saying a, a little battle damage goes a long way for a 13-year-old boy. Mm. Are you a 13-year-old boy right now? There's there's Mental one inside age. me, yes. <laughs> for, forever and always. Were you a child who, when I knew somebody that if their car, their little toy car crashed into something, they would have to take a hammer to it and do like destroy the car? <laughs> like I got in one accident, so it is totaled now, <laughs> ruining the toy. Uh, no. I don't remember. But, Maybe know. I did. I did love the little Hot Wheels that you could run into stuff, and then like the hood would flip uh-huh. over and show battle damage. I love those too. Yeah, 
think yeah, uh, yeah. He-Man. Or, or the He-Man yeah. fucking chests. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's Why right. would your chest just cave in? His armor. He's wearing <laughs> armor. I know, but. It's a plate. Remember, it would be like three little clicks that you'd have to do. It was on good. The, like, oh, click that's solid. one, click two, and mm-hmm. it was like different levels of damage. So I, I was kind of excited by this opening, though, because at the end of last episode, I mean, we're going to get into how this is kind of a sequel to yes. the best of both worlds. But like, yeah, it actually takes place. The ship is still in repairs. They said last episode was going to take six months and, you know, they didn't skip over that. So I was kind of excited by that. But I just think it's funny that they refer to it as the Borg incident. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, that Borg incident that happened. Yeah, they don't name him something cool until they hit the history books when they're like, you know. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. 9-11's not the airplane incident. <laughs> Pearl Harbor's not the Japanese incident. Yeah. I guess it sounded like later they do refer to it as Wolf, what, 69-69 or whatever. <laughs> Wolf 69-420. What is it, Marcy? Okay. Wolf 259. Is that no, what they refer to it as? 359. 359-420-69. <laughs> Star Trek is getting better and better. Yeah. So you know that they thought that this was going to be a three. This is kind of like the trilogy and the writer of uh, Best of Both Worlds really pushed to have an episode where Picard like works through his Borg issues. Hmm. Um, and he considered this like actually a three part episode. I just think it's always interesting. You're right, Cameron, annoyingly, that I like this episode, of course, (laughs) and that Gene Roddenberry is like, this is bullshit. Like, I don't want to have an episode where you, like, don't have action and shit. And Michael Pillar was like, this is important that we address um, Picard's psychological issues. He was basically raped by the Borg. And Gene's like, I don't know about that. And then I agree. finally they uh, convinced Gene to let them do this episode. This is one that I, against all odds, mostly would not, I mean, under most circumstances, would think needed a little more stakes. But I think following the, but no, but I'm against all odds. I don't think that. That's what I'm saying. Oh, good. This is, this is an episode that could only have worked after something like the best yeah, of all sure. If they had just put this in the middle of the season. This, makes, yeah. this episode makes sense to me. Conceptually, I, lo- I love what they were going for. Yeah, conceptually, I love it. Yeah. I wish I had like a sound effect for rolling my eyes for Cameron. <laughs> yeah. I, I know, we, we do need that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should. Why don't we start doing that? We should get yeah. a, sound, a soundboard. It's going to be a buzzer that's like, wrong. <laughs> Sorry, because I like looked at myself in the camera and I was like, oh, you need to stop. You need to stop. <laughs> no, no, you don't. I love it. <laughs> so we do introduce uh, one of our plots here with Worf. And I don't know, I don't completely understand what Riker's deal is here. He's he's throwing the, the judgmental eyes and tone around a lot towards Worf uh, not being excited about his parents coming to visit. Yeah, and Riker has no, no leg to stand on because he does not want to deal with his dad. So what the <laughs> hell are you talking about me not talking to my dad? Is it like, how dare you not want your parents? My mother is dead. If my mother <laughs> came to life and visited the Enterprise, I would be excited to see her warp. Yeah, I think it's Ambujitsu. Ambujitsu. Ambujitsu, that's right. Yeah, warp. I can reserve the Ambujitsu room for you and your father if you like. Maybe that's... That would have been a great scene. That's probably the undertone of why he does throw some shade. He's like, your dad's not a dick. Why don't you have your parents... Like, be excited about your parents coming. Your dad's... I gotta say, yeah, one, thing, weird. one thing I liked about the, the fact that Warp's parents were Russian, which really is weird... That's a throwback, at least in my eyes, to the original series. Basically, the the setup with the Federation, the Klingons, and the Romulans. Federation was America. 
or that was the allegory, the Klingons with the Russians, or the Soviets, I should say, and the Romulans with the Chinese. To see mm. that, like, oh, okay, they're still keeping up with the... Anyway, that, that's, that's the a, first that's thing I... connection. That's the first thing I, yeah. I saw. I just so thought I was glad to see that. Fiddler on the Bridge when they I showed up. I thought Fiddler but... on the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I mean, I liked that. It. It, was, it was a pleasant surprise. Uh, so then the next scene is Troy psychoanalyzing Picard. Yeah, I love this scene. In fact, I'm delighted you're going. It's just that the choice of where you're going could stand some scrutiny. If you wish to believe my going home is a direct result of being held captive by the Borg, be my guest. Is that what you believe? I hate it when you do that. <laughs> yeah, I bet Troy hasn't left him alone a lot for the past yeah. six months or however long it's been. She's probably been like Suicide on his watch. ass helping. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. Here's the story points that we learned. His home village is uh, Labar. Uh, he's better, but he's had nightmares. He's got some scars on his face in this scene, right? Yeah, but he's Did mostly he? healed, but not psychologically healed. Like This really is full of uh, exposition. Talking to your therapist is always a good good excuse to get exposition out. And then also, as he's packing up, he grabs a stack of books and puts it back, <laughs> which makes me worry because Picard hates reading now. What does the Borg do to him? <gasps> like, he hates books now? What? Oh, shit. You're right. Oh, I didn't even think of not that. not the real Picard. He's, he's Borg now. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that he can't concentrate on anything more. Like, you see him, like, just check out several times during the episode mm-hmm. and, like, he knows that he's not going down there as a vacation. This is like him trying to figure out like what he's going to do for the rest of his life, basically. And find himself again. Yeah. So yeah, Troy is trying to help Picard achieve complete recovery, which one, I mean, I don't know if anyone ever achieves complete recovery, but two, it just kind of made me think that at some point in Picard's life, he'd hear like a little video game chime and a a badge would appear in front of him. 100%. You have achieved complete recovery. (laughs) I'll tell you right now, I have 100% in my life, so... (laughs) <laughs> level up <laughs> yeah no can't get any higher levels i did all the grinding and you do a lot of grinding rob <laughs> that's right well we know from watching picard he's actually like decreased to like 25 percent because he hasn't been around troy for the past 30 yeah, years that's right all right so that's the uh, cold open and yeah we kind of uh, figured that this is going to be one of those episodes that's going to be best to go subplot by subplot because basically what happens is we break off into three different stories following three different characters who are all dealing with different trauma and how their family is associated two with and that. a half stories in this case maybe yeah, two and a third two and a third yeah. really two yeah. and a third yeah I actually, uh, so let's jump into that third first i wrote my notes on one piece of paper because i decided to be really shitty and not do good notes this time <laughs> and like picard is one half of a page <laughs> mm-hmm. and warp is like the next like two-thirds of the second half of the page, and then there's the crusher section, which is like a small square at the bottom. <laughs> he just wrote Wesley. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The funniest thing to me about the Wesley, the the three-scene, very short Wesley arc, is that it doesn't even get introduced till almost halfway through the episode. Right. The next time you see Troy, and the last time you see Troy, is she's chatting up with Beverly. They're talking about their plans. They should be working out together. <laughs> oh, or shit. Or maybe. That's right. Or grinding. Grinding. <laughs> I mean, I know you're making fun of that, but I actually really enjoy the friendship scenes of theirs. I wrote Bev Troy, best friends. 
They're yeah, right. best friends. friends. I was really, I love it. But then it like, again, doesn't pass the Bechdel test where like everything is about other people. I mean, they're That's definitely true. caregivers. There's a therapist and a doctor. So of course they're going to be like talking about other people. But at one point it would be nice like if it was about them instead of other mm-hmm. people. What is going on with Troy and Riker? Because the last time they were surely fuck. they went off together to one of their old stomping grounds, and now they are they're doing it again. Yeah, I mean they are together. That's I mean, what is going on? They're friends with benefits. Okay, I guess friends. So they're with benefits. they're they're headed to Angel Falls. Beverly is like ah Venezuela. So I was really hoping Troy would be like oh no no it's it's just a strip club in Brooklyn, <laughs> New Jersey, yeah. Angel Falls. You know this. Ladies' night on Tuesdays. Uh, they bring in the Jack Crusher suitcase. Yeah, they do. Jack Crusher suitcase. Jack Crusher on the case. <laughs> Literally, his name was on the case. As was the Stargazer. Uh, is that negligee that she pulls out of there? What? <laughs> like, what the yeah. fuck is that? Like, maybe she had sent him to, like, no, smell no. Oh, bed on the Stargazer. It was the Mormon underwear. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> I can never remember what the Mormon underwear is called. I just call it Mormon underwear. It's called Mormon underwear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We should just fly through this subplot. They find a USB stick with a with a last will and testament of Jack Crusher or whatever. <laughs> that was just a message yeah. he he made for Wesley when he was young. We do we do find. I mean, this is a big moment. We find out that Wesley's finally legal. I mean, eight, he's eighteen. He's just oh. eighteen. Yeah. No, we, we know that Wesley doesn't have to worry about the traveler returning because he's eighteen now. Mm. <laughs> that one was for you, Alex. If you're still listening. Oh, Cameron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Also, you get to see Jack's old uniform. I always like seeing those old yeah. uniforms. She should have brought out an old VHS tape. Been like, I don't even know how we're gonna <laughs> how we're gonna even watch this thing. And I don't believe for a second that Beverly had never watched that video. Like, no, nope, yeah, I don't right. believe you. Like, no, nope, you'd be playing it on a loop. She would be like masturbating to it. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I Pretty love much. you, Wesley, and she's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 Gotta take what you can get. Hey. Rob's like ready to quit. Ew, <laughs> gross. That's two scenes, and then we get the big scene at the end where we meet Jack Crusher. For the first time, I think we saw a photo of him at one time. Is that right? According to IMDb, he is in three episodes, and I don't know which ones they count. Ah, that's the other name of our episode, the IMDb Hour. Oh <laughs> I gotta be. keep it. I got it pretty nailed down, I think. But this actor is Doug Wirt. Doug Wirt. He started in 86 in Spencer for Hire. No, not surprisingly, he did some soap operas. And he just he didn't work after 2012 when he was in 666 Park Avenue TV series. Ooh. Ooh. Not in a ton of stuff, but that's Doug Wirt. All right. And Rob, if I may, yes, that is my favorite thing that you do. Oh. Going down the list uh, of IMDb. <laughs> you know, you. Keep my fingers crossed like... Uh, come on, Remington Steel. Oh, come yeah. on, Jack. Come on. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you. One of those will be in our IMDb minute. This is definitely the weakest of the subplots. I, I like the idea. Obviously, if you're going to go like, which characters have suffered trauma? Wesley's been dealing with the the loss of his father. That's been a running through line. But like dealing with it. Yeah, I think one of them says. I think Crusher says like he has kind of come to terms with it. Took you long enough, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> also, why is it the Crusher's the one that fucking lost her husband. Okay, very true. Very and like true. Wesley, oh no, I lost my dad. But you didn't really know your dad. You never Crusher? lost something that you never had. Yeah, exactly, Ramon. 
Exactly. Like, Crusher's the one who was fucking crushed, okay? But she was older and, and able to process it more maturely. Mm. It's easier. Yeah. It's hard for a child to understand. They're dumb. Children are dumb. The problem here is there's just no stakes to his, yeah. his story. Like, what happens if he doesn't watch this video? What changes because he does watch this video? Like, nothing. nothing. Like He just kind of watches and is like, oh, that was cool. I love you, Dad. Bye. <laughs> that killed five minutes. I wonder if maybe, it's, I mean, hoping with all the serialization in this episode that maybe this will affect him somehow going forward. I can't imagine how, but maybe. I was just thinking, like, I, I mean, and it's too close to the Picard through line to have worked just as is. But we were talking last time about how... Wesley was a syllable away from being the one to pull the trigger to kill everyone on the Enterprise with a kamikaze run into the Borg. That was on him. It was on a 17-year-old. And you think that would be weighing on him. He would be wondering, does he still want to be in Starfleet? Maybe, you know, they're back on Earth. There's probably a Starfleet entrance exam that he could be taking. He missed the last one. So maybe he's wondering whether he's still going to do that. And then something his dad says kind of, you know, triggers it. But you did, that's not here. You did a really great job just there, Cameron, because <laughs> I feel like you're right. You created a story behind that that I believe it. But here's what really happened. Well, thank you. They <laughs> originally had a 10 minute longer cut of Picard fighting in the mud. And they had to, <laughs> they're like, this is too long. We need to fill this other 10 much. minutes. Because it does almost feel like it's it's so short. And so kind of meaningless. You are kind of like, did they just have to wedge this in there? They just did not want to have the scene with uh, Wesley going to Jordy. Jordy, can you make my dad real like you did his girlfriend? Can you help me out here? <laughs> well, I was going to say, because at the end, he like goes in for a hug and it disappears. I'm like, it's the fucking holodeck. Just tell her to like hold it and make it manifest so you can hug your dad. Yeah. I think he was just in the moment. I know. He's in the moment. What an idiot. Yeah. And then he was like, God, I got to go like get my base tan even better now. I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> my God, Wesley is so tan. Yeah. I was like, why? He was, you're right. Maybe he's getting some Coco No-No's on with, what's her name? <laughs> like she, He's oh. like dating Jordy's girlfriend now. <laughs> I will say the one thing I did kind of like about this scene is when Jack Crusher is kind of talking about, I wanted to make these videos for you because I wanted you to know the man I am now. I won't be that man when you're older. I'll be, and that is course. something like I never really thought about till I was a dad where like, my kids aren't going to know me as me right now. They're going to know some weird future version of me. So that's, that's kind of a nice moment. And then it makes you think like, oh, I never knew my parents when they were like this age. So, but do you want to, mm-hmm. I, I don't want my girl to think of me as her pal, her buddy, her like, no, we're <laughs> <laughs> Uh, got more responsibility than just, you know, your friend on the street. I'm, well, you don't want your uh, friends, you know, wiping your poopy pants. Well, depends on the friend. That was way too, like, sexy sounding. <laughs> sex positive. We're sex positive here. At least I am. Not me. I'm, I'm not. Sex negative. <laughs> I tested negative for sex. Uh, all right. Anything else for Wes? No. All right. I said my tan jokes. So. <laughs> let's let's jettison this fucking D subplot. plus D plus subplot. All right. So moving on to uh, the next biggest subplot, and uh, for my money, the most successful is Worf's with his parents. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> so we know that uh, Mama and Papa Worf uh, are coming, and that they are aware of his discommendation. That's the one piece of we do, yeah we do learn plot. that in the opening scene. 
the first mention of it since it's happened, since I believe. He was, uh, stricken from the Klingon record. And Marcy knows what I was thinking. Why is that the trauma Worf is healing from and not having his neck broken a few weeks ago? (laughs) You died. No, that's what nobody gives his family to help him. Nobody gives a shit about dying on the Enterprise, dude. Uh, For the record, he was dead for only a few seconds. Yeah, Yeah. that's not a big deal. What if he like forever after has like some kind of injury that he keeps just like hurting himself his neck? He's like, oh my neck, I can't go on that away mission. A trick neck. Remember that time I got broke my neck? <laughs> I can't do it. I got a letter. I got a letter from Crusher. Okay, so transporter room. O'Brien. O'Brien. Let's listen oh, no. to him. Yeah. No. My mother is never on time. It is so human of her. Well, you know women. Uh, okay, I, I'm going to pause O'Brien. it right there. Thankfully, the only reason that gets saved is because Worf is having none of O'Brien's <laughs> sexist bullshit right yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> that's bad, O'Brien. And then, as we're about to hear, O'Brien's probably just learned it from his dad, it sounds like. I'm not looking forward to this. I wish they would come so it would begin and end sooner. I know what you mean, Lieutenant. Unlikely. <laughs> Last time my old man was on board, I found him chasing Nurse Stanton around a bio bed in sick bay. I'm not concerned about my father chasing nurses. Uh, but it's always something with parents, isn't it? Yeah, that uh, that was humor back then. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did, despite the like the weird sexist stuff, I, I did feel bad for O'Brien because he kept just trying to like relate with Worf, and Worf just kept deflecting him. Yeah, no, right, no. You don't understand. Well, I, what I do love, though, is that Orf is, like, talking shit, talking shit. And he's not having any of O'Brien's shit. Yeah. And then Mama transports <laughs> in, and he's, like, got this enormous smile, like, a real smile for Morph. And he goes up, and he's like, Mommy! Basically, he doesn't say Mommy. I don't know if I saw the same scene. But, like, but okay. he kisses her, and, like, the whole rest of this subplot... Like, mom has her arm touching Morph, or she's, like, holding his arm. Like, he basically walks around with his mom, like, the whole time. And I'm like... He's her little baby. I love it, because he's, like, annoyed. But it doesn't matter, because she's, like, with him the whole time, and he's, like, supporting her and making sure, like, she's safe and all those things. And even though he's annoyed by his dad, it's still, like... A lo- loving family annoyance. Wait, wait, who's he? Worf. Worf Rojenko, who we find out is his name. Right, well, <laughs> his full I name. I about that, because they still call him Mr. Worf, as though Worf is- They do, yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I looked that up, actually, and he never really took on Rojenko as his, you know, it's Worf, son of Mog, is his full. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, he loves his mama. Do you want to learn about, learn about her first or him first? Let's hear, hear them both. Okay, let's start with the father, Papa Worf. I'm calling, I'm calling them Papa Worf and Mama Papa Worf. Worf. I like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, he is Theodore Bickle. He's in 156 Damn Things. Started in 1951. He was a man at a newspaper vendor, uncredited. Uh, but <laughs> his second role, though, is the African Queen, which is a classic. One of the. I love the African he's Queen. He's the first officer on the African Queen. Anyway, he was in pretty much everything in the 50s and 60s. Just everything. Twilight Zone. Was he in Fiddler on the Roof? He was not, actually, oddly. Oh. Little House on the Prairie, though, and Charlie's Angels, you know. Ooh, Little House on the Prairie. He was a voice on the Amazing Spider-Man cartoon as Man- Mandak, mm. Fantasy Island. Mm. Oh, he is the voice of Aragorn in the Return of the King cartoon. Oh! <gasps> 
Oh, snap. Oh, TV movie, I guess. The Return of the King TV movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Knight Rider, getting through there. Let's see. Uh, just the one episode of Star Trek. Uh, Babylon 5, and there's a bunch of murder she wrote. And then oh. he's also in uh, one of his the second to last role in JAG. Yay! Got your wish, Ramon. Ramon was crossing his fingers the whole time. <laughs> Let's see if you can get a bingo this episode. And then Georgia Brown is Mama Wharf. Georgia Brown. Mm, sweet, sweet Georgia, Georgia Brown. Brown. Yeah. That's a great yeah. She started acting in 1956 in a bunch of random stuff like Lock Up Your Daughters! Exclamation point is the name of something. <laughs> uh, she will be in, a, in two episodes of Next Gen. Uh, Fish Police. It's no cop rock, but it is Fish Police. It's my other favorite. <laughs> thing to mention and then she hasn't i don't know i didn't check she died but she didn't do anything after 2001 so i suspect uh let's not let's not find out foul play so thank you georgia brown i do love papa wharf here though uh there's this fun exchange your father has been so looking forward to this yes i want to see everything the whole ship at home i have all the specs and diagrams of the galaxy class starships I just love the idea that Sergei Rojinko's den at home basically looks like a 90s nerd's bedroom <laughs> with, like, starships, specs up on the wall everywhere. I do like uh, Papa Worf's uh, exasperated look. Uh, but I wanted to, to go there. And, uh, his, his face. Like, I've done that so many times. <laughs> I, 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 well, but, yeah, I love his excitement about it and that... You kind of expect him to be more of a Worf-like person who's, like, really taciturn, but he's not. Mm. And no, no. that's what's so fun about it is that, like, he goes up to O'Brien and is like, we're both chiefs. And then when he's talking to Jordy at the end, Jordy calls him chief instead of <laughs> Sergey because he's, like, giving him mm, the, the respect. respect that he deserves, you know? Because he, like, knows a lot about the ship and he cares about Worf, so he cares about the Galaxy-class starships. And he's going to learn all about it. And they fucking love Worf, you know, and that's what's so great. <laughs> I do. Although I did pull a Rob at one point, especially it was around the like the Jordy scene where he was going to go off with Jordy and study the ship on his own. When I was like, "Is Worf's dad a spy? What's, <laughs> why does he keep wanting to get off by himself away from everyone?" He doesn't. He's really interested in seeing every aspect of the ship. Yeah, you thought that it was funny. Worf who was working for the Klingons. Maybe his dad was the one that sent the code to. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> no. It's a long con. It's been a long con. <laughs> you know, he wanted a Klingon son, so he arranged the whole thing. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> what I love also about this scene is that we hear about the fucking arboretum again. <laughs> Yeah, we better fucking see that Arboretum by the end of the season. No kidding. That's like three references to it <laughs> in the that, last... Uh, a Chekhov's Arboretum. They talk about it in the first third <laughs> of the right. season. They have to pay it off by the end of the... <laughs> better see a tree branch or at least a fallen leaf. <laughs> see them come out of the door and brush some leaves off their shoulders at I some point. I just got out of the Arboretum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, then he takes them to ten forward. I don't know about you, but this is like the first time I feel like Guinan's just being kind of weird. Like, yeah. <laughs> Guinan's always kind of weird. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, but really? like, it's usually really there's like, like she's behind the bar and there's like a reason her, for her to be there, but like Sergey and Helen are just like standing there. And then Guinan's just like, <laughs> yeah, like, like she sort of does like, <laughs> like, she's like, oh yeah, people like to stand and look out the window and you're like, where the fuck did you come from, Guinan? <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> and, like, she odd. gives this, like, really weird speech. 
And then she's like, by the way, I'm Guinan. And they're like, oh, thanks for spouting all that wisdom at us. Um, <laughs> and then, like, they sit and talk. And then they bring up the prune juice. <laughs> this is funny because this, I think, is, like, easily the best scene of the entire episode. I know, it's fun. <laughs> Marcy's, like, poking fun at it. Well, but I, I like it, but it's just, like... It's strange. It's like the first time I feel like Guinan is a little off, like a little creepy, a little serial killer-ish. Marcy, I, I enjoy that little scene. And I think that's just a new manifestation of your newfound antisocial tendencies. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You don't like 10 forward anymore. That's true. Any scene that happens in 10 forward, you're like, I don't, I don't want to go like, there. Why would that person talk to me? Shannon, <laughs> the bartender with fantastic stories? Like, sign me up. <laughs> Eventually, Marcy's going to be against any scene that has two people talking to her. <laughs> Someone by themselves in silence. Thank you. That's what I want. <laughs> Give me that Jack Crusher USB. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew that would make Cam laugh. Do you guys think the prune juice callback is probably the one of the most important serializations? <laughs> they like, just keep bringing the prune juice The most juice important, back. I think. <laughs> I hope that it's... I hope it becomes a major plot point in, in like you forever. Know, in, uh, in in Deep D Star Six or whatever. Yeah, DS9. It's going to be it's going to be worth <laughs> drinking prune juice and O'Brien just with uh, shoulder injuries from kayaking. Is that <laughs> yeah. all Deep Whole, Space Nine? Every is? episode. Yep, that's every all episode. I, I. That's what I believe now. How come you never gave him prune juice? <laughs> I beg your pardon. He said he'd never had it till it came here. Now he can't get enough of it. Water. He never wanted any human food while he was growing up. Everything had to be Klingon. I learned to cook rock egg blood pie. However, we never quite learned how to eat it. <laughs> when Guinan says that he can't get enough of it, you picture like he's got a prune juice problem, like just surrounded by empty glasses, just like, oh, I can't get enough of this. <laughs> and then he's like just shitting everywhere. <laughs> That's what I think of with prune juice. Oh, uh, <laughs> cl- and Klingon shits. That's not pretty. That's really his pain sticks. It's not It's not pain sticks. It's just like drinking prune juice and like going to the holodeck and just shitting everywhere. <laughs> Actually, Cameron, according to uh, the, the Wikipedia uh, Klingon shits are very pretty. Oh, I think it goes oh. from Rokeg blood pie to a Rokeg blood pile later. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> That's, I think Ramon wins the um, f- uh, t-shirt phrase of the day. I'm going to put that yeah. on a t-shirt. <laughs> Where would Worf go to relieve himself? Oh, boy. Uh, Jordy's uh, room or Wesley's room? Wesley's room. <laughs> Don't talk to me about missing your father. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and on that note, I'd like to play what I think is the most heartfelt exchange of the episode. Oh, I'm afraid that Worf feels that we do not understand him. Well, part of him may feel that way. There's another part that I've seen. Part that comes in and drinks prune juice. Part that looks out the window towards home. He's not looking towards the Klingon Empire. He's looking towards you. That's sweet, Guinan. Do you think that's true, or is she just telling her? It's, yeah, that? I mean, come on. What are the odds that the direction <laughs> he's facing in a 10 forward? I know, it's so symbolic, I know. But I'm like, yeah, yeah is he really? Cause it was sweet, though. It made me, made me go a little lip good. quiver. It's sweet. That is definitely one of those 
I'll tell you what you want to hear. Because yeah. at no point has Worf said, man, I really miss Earth. Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> he doesn't say it aloud. He says it into his prune I juice. I mean, I think you can tell by how he acts with his mom that, like, he loves her. Like, that he, and it, I mean, you can see it a little bit with the dad, but, like, he literally, like, he doesn't let anybody really touch him ever. And this is, like, the first time you see, like, his mom's literally got her arm in his arm. Like, they're walking along. Like, anytime they're walking, she's touching Worf, and he's, like, smiling when she arrives. Helicopter parents. <laughs> no, it's, like, it's the opposite. <laughs> because they're, like, oh, yeah, supporting parents. him and not, like, forcing him to do what they want. They're just saying, like, we love you, and we love who you are, and... We allowed you to explore this part of yourself that we maybe don't understand, but it's uh, we want you to feel like you can be part of that. And that's like a really big deal because I think there's a lot of kids like adopted kids that maybe don't have that level of parent who understands that if you're from a different culture, I want you to experience that part of yourself that we can't give you. You know, that's really special. Ew, gross. (laughs) And then we get the chair. Yay! The chair. Not the first time we've seen the chair. Do you want to know what we thought about when we first saw the chair? Yeah. What is that fucking giant hat rack looking like? Or the like, yeah, the mushroom tree thing. Yes, I didn't really <laughs> I remember that. It. I brought a visual aid. If you guys could try to describe what that is. It's just a sculpture, man. It's just, <laughs> it's he's, just he's into yeah. Klingon art, art, apparently. And right next to it is like oh, this dying like pine tree. <laughs> uh, like okay. next to the sculpture of like uh, apparently uh, Klingon representation. It kind of, of looks trees. like the most gothic Dr. Seuss tree. <laughs> I don't like, know. Yeah, it's like a mush like has mushroom bulbs. Kind of like as, a butt plug. Like yeah. or a massager. It's yeah. like, <laughs> We, uh, we named pretty much everything that we thought it could have been but a chair. chair. I don't think yeah. any of us thought that, that that's a pretty possibly. Good, that sounds like a pretty good podcast. What is that? <laughs> uh, he has replaced that uh, cactus Marcy mentioned with a vanity. That's what yeah. he's doing. He's, he's, he's checking he's at the vanity. Ends. He's looking at his split ends on his hair. Well, no, remember <laughs> Mama said no, he yeah. blew your hair I, out, so he's looking at his hair. I get that, but he has this chair set up with a mirror. That just seems very unworthy. No, it's on a stand right next. Like that's the only purpose for a chair to be there, so he could look into that mirror. I want. We should try to see if we can get an animated GIF of him dismounting from that chair because it is (laughs) bizarre how you sit in it. Like the way you sit in it. I think he must have made it up on the set that day. He's like, well, I guess today's the day we find out how we sit in this chair. I will now, from now on, call it, though, the WWC Worf's Weird Chair. <laughs> Anytime he makes an appearance, Absolutely. maybe we'll have a sting. Maybe we'll have a, a theme no, song. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> is he embarrassed by his parents uh, or is he just acting out because he is afraid of this conversation? I mean, like he seem, he keeps he asks them to be more reserved and he seems embarrassed by them, although they're not really being that embarrassing. I mean, I guess you're always, no matter what your parents do, you're going to act like yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. That is standard. Yeah, they're, that absolutely they're telling standard. embarrassing stories about him to Jordy. And yeah, I don't think, uh, I, I think worse, because he keeps saying no one can understand. So I, I think he believes that like, they don't understand how traumatic it is for him. He, he doesn't think that they could even conceive that this is as big a deal for him as it is. And that's kind of what makes the moment when they bring it up meaningful. And he also doesn't, he wants to bear the dishonor alone. He doesn't want to 
um, he clearly loves them enough to not want to burden them mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. bullshit. Uh, yeah, I do love the moment where uh, I think it's Mama Wharf says something about like, I know you don't think we can understand. And the daddy's like, we don't have to understand. And I think that's the thrust of this, this arc. Uh, and honestly, it goes on like a few sentences more that, and I think that, that don't work quite as well. But I mean, it's, it's that, it's that aspect of we don't have to understand to be there for you and to help you through it. Well, I think they know that he's been dishonored and it's like Klingon to take it alone, even though he's been raised human Mm-hmm. And that's why he doesn't want to talk to them because he knows they're going to want to bring it up. And then when they do, I think, like you said, Cam, like the best part of it was that, like they said, we don't really understand what's going on. Like you sent us this email <laughs> and explained <laughs> it. Correspondence. Yes. <laughs> well, we don't really get it. But we love you, and we're human, oh. so we're going to tell you. And then they hold hands. No, they I hold noticed hands. that. Oh, so cute. And, and he smiles. His smile is yeah. really smiles. Yeah. That was, I noticed that. That was very. Yeah. And I'm touching my heart right very now niche. during my whole speech because it really what are you is touching? sweet. <laughs> you don't want to know. Don't. Yeah. Hands up, boys. Let me see. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, just heartfelt monologues really do it for me, okay? It's a kink. Sex positive. Come on, guys. I'm not the only one. I like how your excuse for everything is like, sex positive, I'm masturbating. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Mercy, that was sex positive. You just jizzed in my face, you asshole. Don't be so judgmental, okay? Uh. Like that's like Rob's favorite thing to say on this podcast to me. No slut shame, Mercy. <laughs> anyway, it was a let sweet me, moment. <laughs> let me mansplain slut shaming to you, Mercy. Thanks. <laughs> While I'm manspreading. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else for Worf? I just want to see Marcy at a bar now with uh, a chatty. Uh, <laughs> Bartender and she's just going nuts on the guy and telling him she's like drawing her raccoon face monkey and get back in the bar. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you. My glass is down to one third. You give me another drink, and that's all I want from you. Thanks, guys. Did you know it's my birthday today? Bet you didn't even know that. Where's my free drink, bitch? Oh, is it because the rest of your race was killed in a genocidal bloodbath by the Borg? Oh, boo-hoo, cry me a river. <laughs> Give me my drink. Just fill up this drink. <laughs> oh, that's all I got. All right. For Papa yeah, and Mama no, it's, it's a, it was a Yeah, it was a pretty good. I've been, I've been waiting for Worf's parents for a long time because of Marcy. I and, love uh, them. pleasantly surprised. Yeah, weren't they awesome? They were great. They're they fine. Oh, God. You no, have, man. like, no... They said, I just said... You have, like, so... even keel everything. I it. it was all right. <laughs> I will upgrade that, too. Pretty pretty good. <laughs> it's, like, the same inflection. <laughs> <laughs> all right, shall we now get yeah. to the uh, plot that everyone came here the to hear course? about? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the A plot. The Picard pants. Oh, man, it's a Jodhpur paradise. Yeah. That's, that's why I knew Marcy would love this episode. A deep, deep oh, V. Man. Oh, yeah, that's v. it, Rob. The deep V. Every shirt's a deep V. 
Uh, so Picard goes to Napa Valley, uh, uh, France. France. So we see Picard try to connect with a child, and his joke just falls flat. That's not, it's not bad. He actually is semi-comfortable with this child. And the kid misspeaks, right? Like, the whole joke is based on the fact that the kid accidentally calls him his nephew. Yeah, really? I'm so, very confused yes, by that the, line. The child means to say you're my uncle, but or that I'm your nephew, but he accidentally, like, it's crazy. Like, it's funny how he... Uh, I had to watch it the second time to realize that, yeah, he just misspoke. And so then the joke becomes Picard's like, oh, you're my uncle. If I'm your nephew, then you're my uncle. You guys didn't catch uh, that? Oh, my God. I, that's the first thing I got. And uh, Well, I mean, I caught it, but, it went, but at first I was like, did, was that just a flub that they went with? But then it's a running joke throughout the, the episodes. So I'm like, no, a writer wrote that. But it's it's a really weird line to write. Not to me. Not as a second, as a non-native English speaker. It felt right at home. And I... I I just went with that. No, no. I mean, people do that. People, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, we fuck up words all the time. But, like, it's a very real thing. And it's not a very TNG-style writing thing to just have, like, someone slip in a wrong word accidentally. I agree. That's why I liked it. (laughs) Not much to say about that actor, David Birkin, but he is going to, he is in two episodes of uh, Star Trek TNG. Is he in Picard? Because, oh, God, I want this kid to be a captain when he grows up. He's young Jean-Luc Picard. And then Rene oh. Picard. I don't know if it's even in that order. Maybe we've already seen him. No. Like, mm, I don't think we've seen a young Jean-Luc. No. no, no, no so no, he will no, play no. young Jean-Luc. Well, I guess there will be a family resemblance. And then he'll learn in Picard of some sad things that happen. Whoa, no. Oh, no. Young Picard dies? <laughs> he does. <laughs> oh, shit. I'll give you a clue. His hair dies. Oh. oh his follicles. Oh, uh, that child is also in Les Mis in 1998. That's about it. He's in like 32 hmm. things, but nothing. Okay. Nice work, guy. Rene. Yeah, he was he was an okay kid, I guess. Uh, actually, I liked him as far as kid actors. Um, he didn't drive me nuts. So good good job for that guy. Yeah. But no, the joke I was talking about is when uh, he pops out and Picard's like, oh, it's a ruffian or something. And the kid's like, what? I'm not a thief. What are you talking about? Like the joke just falls flat. Oh, sure. I, I relate it because it's like a lot of my jokes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Oh, you have to say that with such sincerity, Marcy. <laughs> Some of your jokes I laugh at a lot. Like, <laughs> like that like one. That I, one. I laughed at one. one. where I make fun of myself. I laughed at one one time. Um, <laughs> let's pull up the audio on that. We were just, Andrew and I were just talking about how women like self-deprecating humor the most, because that actually means that you're confident, like, if you're being self-deprecating. Two things um, I know about women. They love self-deprecation, and they're always late. <laughs> 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 that was spot on. <laughs> they dial the phone like this. <laughs> dial the phone like I this. was waiting for that. I was waiting for Rob's like shitty 80 comedian impression. <laughs> <laughs> so we see the vineyard and their house, and we meet Marie, his uh, sister in law. Who he's never met before, but they're like. I know they know each already... other, but they never met. Like, what? That actress is Samantha Egger. Um, 104 thingies, starting in 1961 with a Rob Roy TV series. There's The Murder, She Wrote, which you'll find a lot. Magnum P.I., um, Matlock, and just the one episode of Next Gen. Oh, here's the important part. Hercules, she's the voice of Hera. What? Oh. Yeah. That's in Hercules funny. And the video game Hercules and the TV series of Hercules. I remember, like, Kevin Sorbo, like, and Hera's voice would come on and they'd have these, like, eyes 
And that was it. I, like Hera was eyes with like uh, peacocks on it. Oh yeah. And he like I think he's talking about the her. Disney Hercules. It's the Disney Hercules. Uh, sorry. sorry. The voice. Sorry, Marcy. Well, that's not fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know. They they have the line about like how surprising. Uh, nothing. Nothing's changed. It's all the same. And I'm like, yeah. Apparently, nothing's changed for the last 800 years. <laughs> Jesus, this place has survived the. The atomic holocaust and like there's no i mean this place is old-fashioned for modern times i actually i liked it that way i liked the uh, picard kind of freaking out looking at like it's exactly <laughs> the same that this is it's not supposed to be like this i've been all over this galaxy and this is freaking me out <laughs> yeah he's, he did have the struggle on his face he clearly was like having a little moment during that the real person that's struggling in this is marie <laughs> yes if you like watch her face like she's like oh my god john luke picard you're so amazing <laughs> and then her husband will talk and he's obviously in love with her and is tr- like presenting like trying to be nice to her but like every time he talks she's like kind of rolling her eyes and just like i've been trying to get a replicator in here for years I have to do all the dishes and cook, yeah. and he won't do yeah, shit. Yeah, he's not doing the cooking. He's yeah. like, we need to keep with the old values, like making the women do all the cooking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you kids nowadays with your Tinders and your Grinders and your Spotify's. When I was your age. <laughs> yeah. there, there's a scene later when Marie is talking to Picard, and they're having like a heartfelt, life changing decision that they are talking about. And someone knocks on the door, and Robert walks up to him, and is like, "Don't worry, I got it." Like, yeah. What the fuck were you doing, Robert? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What a dick. Well, and then there's like the scene. Like, I know I'm getting way ahead of myself, sure, but there's sure. like we, the yeah. scene at the very end when he's like holding her and kissing her. And you can almost see the actress like, <laughs> like, don't touch me. <laughs> I, I yeah. thought that the writers were a little ham fisted with this. You're not supposed to like Robert at all. From the first scene, the way he's eating the grapes, just looking at him, it's like, ugh. Oh, he's hideous. Just I mean, I'm yeah. sorry. No, no, he is. But, but first, you're not supposed to like him. Physically, emotionally, mentally, psycho- you're not supposed to like him at all. And no one didn't. I sure as hell didn't. I think it's great that his character is an irredeemable, irredeemable dick. Well, not totally irredeemable. He fixes Picard. Like, yeah. But he's clearly, clearly they both, it's, it gives a lot of insight into the way Picard grew up to know that like he was fighting against lots of odds <laughs> mm-hmm. right i i think they the casting director had one objective let's find the weirdest looking guy we can find his so, shoulders yeah, he's he, going a on weird with looking guy and is that the actor or is the character is that like something that like is it yeah is it spine bent or the things with his mouth sh- is that it, just it, like just, character choices or just odd like is, is that a real person or did they like get a whole bunch of body parts and just you know smash them together and like there we go this is this can pass for human oh my god ramon i'm so happy you said that because i was like is rob gonna give me shit for like talking about how this guy looks don't be (laughs) ugly negative no it's fine (laughs) no he is don't ugly shame him he's a weird looking guy well let's talk about jeremy kemp he's in 87 things um, I like the title, uh, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. Yep. <laughs> um, he, he's in the segment Creeping Vine, which is fitting because he works with vines here. <laughs> All There's his fizz works have vines. A TV movie <laughs> called Buns for the Elephant. I like that. Uh, 35 episodes of a TV series from 62 to 78 called Z Cars. How do we not know about a 16-year series called Z Cars? <laughs> What? <laughs> but most importantly, and what I know him from is the movie Top Secret. He's a Nazi okay. general. If you haven't seen Top Secret, you got to watch Top Secret. 
It's been a long time. I've seen it, but yeah, I need to. Oh, he's revisit. very mem- he's very memorable in Top Secret. You gotta watch. Okay. That. And then finally, uh, there's the murder she wrote. Everybody's in that. And just the one episode of Star Trek. Nobody wants nobody wants Robert back. Although I am gonna <laughs> now go by Robert instead of Rob. So. Okay. <laughs> well, even even Picard can't keep the pronunciation straight because yeah. he does call him Robert at one point. Yeah, he really? does. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Well, so let's like actually describe some of these weird features. Like you did a little <laughs> bit, um, Ramon, but like he sticks his lower mm-hmm. his lower lip just he talks with it out constantly, like he's yeah. pouting. I thought he he was maybe like like uh, recovering from a stroke. That's what it looked like to me. And then especially when he stands, because he kind of stands at an angle. And he's got incredibly broad shoulders, but a very skinny frame because uh, he's older. He's got the the triangle. Yeah, I mean, he guess he could be a super soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Our no. show is also serialized. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew and I were both like, look at how fucking broad that guy's shoulders are. Because I don't think they're shoulder pads. I think that's his real shoulders. So we get that matte painting I talk about. They cut to the white shot. And like, this is a property. Like, I did not realize like how high up the 1% Picard came from. <laughs> yeah. Their Chateau Picard is making them plenty of money. I'm guessing or that doesn't whatever, exist. We're still whatever the economy of uh, the 24th century, <laughs> like, still not uh, sure. Uh, I did. There was some of the nice world building where they were kind of like talking about well, replicators and uh, synthahol. They talk about the synthahol a lot and the difference between that and alcohol. So that's that kind of answers some of the questions on like I, oh, I guess replicators and synthahol is more of more of like a long ship journeys in space type of thing. And Earth is kind of like some people have it, some people don't, which makes more sense. I mean, I kind of really liked this scene because it's a typical family scene that maybe a lot of people are experiencing right now where, like, you've got a family member who's obviously got this idea that you know is ridiculous and he's not going to stop talking about it. And really, the only one that can get him to shut the fuck up is his wife. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, I think that's, I mean, I know I have that in my family, and I think a lot of people do that, like, because you grow up with someone, like, how far do you go with, like, liking them (laughs) or trying to understand them? Because, I mean, obviously, this isn't, like, as big of a deal. It's, like, replicator or no replicator. But, um... I mean, I think there's lots of people right now dealing with that, with the Black Lives Matter stuff. Like, how do you bring these things up? Like, we're going to be talking about it at the dinner table. What are you going to do? And like, I don't know. I thought it resonated because it was just a family sitting down to talk. And, you know, families don't always agree. But that's what's so interesting is that you can grow up with somebody for years and years and then they're nothing like you. It just blows Um, my mind. (laughs) There's a current. Yeah, for sure. A current day. Uh, version of this. I mean, when Robert says he hates technology and there's in danger of losing their val- those values, it's like, why don't you just, he's wearing a hat that says, make France great again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, France is known for for trying to keep their traditions alive. The, the fact that they're really protect- protective of the language. I love that about the French. But we don't have a word for this. We're not going to let the English become the default uh, word for this. We'll create our own. They don't have work for Walkman when they first came out, they gave it a name. They, so they don't, they don't call it a Walkman in, in France. They, they use a, a name that they created for that. And I do like that about the French. So to me, that 
was very much in line with uh, what Robert, asshole that he may be. Are the Picards French or English? What is the backstory here? They're French, but they have an English accent, apparently. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so then we get to meet Louis, the Atlantean god, Louis. <laughs> I mean, the friend scene is good. I mean, I, I like the friend scene. Yeah, I like that they're like just chatting and kidding around with each other. I do enjoy the uh, little pin pals reference with the name drop for Drama 4 and the oh, yeah. harmonic resonators. Should I talk about the actor playing Lewis? This is the last IMDb minute. Yeah, let's knock him out. Dennis Cregan. He starts in 1983 with Philip Marlowe, Private Eye, as a croupier. And then he's in Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, as Bill Compton. And mm-hmm. then Murder, She Wrote. And then a TV movie about Alf called Project Alf. <laughs> and then uh, there's a TV series called Cracker, colon, Mind Over Murder. I like that. <laughs> Cracker, Mind Over Cracker. Murder? Cracker, Mind Over Murder. It's from 1997. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he looks like he just uh, stopped in 2002 with an uh, episode of Third Watch and probably died. And then probably died. died. I like that's I the end that. of all of your MDBs. <laughs> and they're probably dead. I think it's better. Yeah, I think we decided it's better if I don't describe their horrific deaths. <laughs> all right. So I'm, the other kind of resonation from, uh, is that a word resonation? From Best of Both Worlds that's going on here is is all this talk of Picard being a hero. They want to throw him a parade and, you know... They, they kind of mentioned a couple times how he, you know, did just save humanity and the earth, uh, which I appreciated, one. And two, I, now I just want to see like a Starship Troopers style ad featuring Picard as like the hero of Starfleet. <laughs> I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. <laughs> That's right. What would you guys like in a Picard parade? <laughs> what would you like to have? Like a, a float of, of just his giant bald head like just a, someone reciting shakespeare as they go through yeah like instead of rick you know like instead of the macy day parade with like rick astley performing marcy just wants a giant jodhpurian balloon <laughs> that like shoots candy out of the crotch at kids nice <laughs> and then it would just it would be like him in a deep v going <laughs> make it so make it so make it so no i would want a truck full no i a a semi full of Borg corpses. That's what I would want. Oh, wow. that's what I want a, to see. A fire truck with Earl Grey tea just like spraying the crowd. <laughs> Ramon's idea of a fun parade is not the same. No, I, I want to feel good about this. I... <laughs> corpses uh, on the street, littering the streets. I think. Well, taking it back to the serious though, like I do really like this whole theme, which is. They don't really understand, like, Robert still doesn't really get, even in the end, I don't think, like, to what level they would have been wiped out. Like, all of them, that sky that Renee is looking up to and, like, imagining being Captain Picard, he would have been a Borg, you know? And, like, that's, I think, what really hits me in this. He protected everyone and in doing so totally lost himself and he's still trying to find it, you know, and Mm -hmm. like he sacrificed everything so that Robert could be an asshole still. And Renee could look up at the sky and like Marie could regret marrying Robert. And like, (laughs) he took that Borg bullet for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely did. Uh, Yeah. So he is uh, at this point starting to seriously consider leaving Starfleet to join this Atlantis project. I have memories of seeing the Atlantis project and I don't know like where this came from. Like I, in my mind's eye 
have this vision of Picard actually going with Lewis and going on a tour of the Atlantis project. And there's a talking dolphin there. And then and Jonathan Brandis <laughs> yeah. is there. Like, I don't know where this memory came from. It's huh. like the like Shazam movie that everybody thinks exists. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I feel like that's what's happening to me. Because I was like, man, I really feel like I remember in this episode him like going on a tour with Loris of the Atlantis Project. So Yeah, they didn't have the budget for that. But it would have been cool. Yeah. For sure. So they go for this episode. The previous episode goes from fighting the Borg, and this episode it goes to fighting an old dude in the mud. Like <laughs> it's a funny juxtaposition. To be fair, it was one weird-looking body right there. Like, oh, is this human? Uh, I don't know. I think the Borg <laughs> would be more relatable. And what kind of fight was it, Marcy? An old man fight. It was a barrel fight. Did they throw barrels? Well, they fell over barrels, oh, punched them, and he fell over the barrel. That. That's funny. For new listeners, there was like one episode where Data threw a barrel, and now we're obsessed with barrel fights. <laughs> yeah, well, but there's several barrels in... There's barrel. Every other episode has a barrel. Yeah. <laughs> but this part where Robert is like baiting Picard, he's so like machinationy, like, I'm going to bait Picard into running away. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's- he knows what he needs, though. It's right. He's right. I guess I think what Robert was doing was like he because he didn't do any of this till he learned that Picard might be moving back to Earth. And he's like, oh, <laughs> no, fuck, no, we don't want that long con to get him back up on his starship and away from me. But also yeah. double bonus. That's what he knows. That's what Picard and help him. I this is where my problem with episode is where like I just don't buy that the, the turn. I don't buy that. What's that's what Robert is doing. I don't buy the turn. I don't know why. Uh, what's the line when he says like, oh, did you need me to help you? Why, why is Picard like, that's it? Like, it seemed more inflammatory when he, when he said, yeah, I liked bullying you. I don't know. Just this whole scene, I kind of was like, I'm not connecting the dots here. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. That was me. What, the scene I did like was just before that when they were at the table and Robert's asking him, like, so what did happen to you up there? No, I don't care. I'm just curious. Like, I thought that was a really engaging scene. And I thought that could have bloomed into something more. Yeah, he thinks he was humiliated. I don't know that. Is that the feeling that Picard is he humiliated uh, yeah well I think he, he just felt helpless yeah. And oh yeah guilty I mean he's guilty he feels guilty that he couldn't stop because I kind of for, we kind of glossed over that I didn't really realize that Wolf 250 69 253 dang it one of these days <laughs> but Picard was the one who killed all those all of his buddies and all like every ships. ship he was in command of the ship at that time we never liked the Melbourne anyway I don't know what you're complaining about <laughs> <laughs> fuck the Melbourne I mean, I guess there's was enough little moments where they're antagonizing each other, but then they like cool down mm-hmm. and like they have a little moment of like silliness <laughs> mm-hmm. that like I can kind of buy into that Robert recognizes something's up with Picard. Like he's sure. known Picard since he was a little kid, and Picard's always been I'm going to fight, 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 fight for what I want. I'm going to, like, not do what my dad says. I'm going to become valedictorian. I'm going to, like, beat everybody at this marathon. I'm going to be number one, number one, number one. And the fact that he's coming home and just, like, I guess I'm going to become the head of this Atlantis project. I mean, (laughs) fuck no. You run the Enterprise. Like, that is the height of everything. Like, he's a hero. He literally is, you know. So, like, I get that Robert recognizes that. And even though he doesn't necessarily, like, they don't like each other. 
but they love each other, and that's kind that's of family. That's that family. is family. Yeah, some people that were related, but I I should not like you, and actually I don't like you. Right, I love you, and, and that was such a weird concept for me to to discover. I always thought growing up, you like someone and you love them. The idea of loving someone and not liking them that was weird. It it, it really threw me for a loop when I first came across that. Ew, gross. <laughs> Aww. Uh, okay, well, let's get back to rolling around in the mud then. Yeah, the transition into the laughter is awkward. Like, the sort of like the like last couple pushes are very awkward and weird. Uh, it's Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen two brothers go at it like this since uh, Rusted Development. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I, I did kind of like how it was like a sloppy fight. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely grapes of wrath down there in that mud. And, it, mm-hmm. and hey, uh, Steinbeck humor yeah. for the kids. Oh, boy. <laughs> And the yeah, music is like really it. weird in it too. Like it's like very ominous instead right. of like silly. <laughs> Over the laughter. And so, yeah. and so then when they start laughing, you're like, oh, I thought this is gonna be like an ominous oh wait it is, because now Picard is yeah. telling his story. It was like very strange. Right. But you know, when there it's decent mud acting after that, pretty good mud acting. And it's in this point, uh, you know, oddly enough, that that's when Picard comes clean when he's covered in mud. Oh <laughs> that was a cam joke. Nice. That was nice. <laughs> Someone's jocking your style, Cameron. I would not stand for this. I would not stand for this. Alpha. (laughs) I'm the green shirt now. You guys need to like do some docking to really figure this out. (laughs) Docking? Docking? Yeah, you know, like who's goes in and who's overwhelms. We'll do it manually. (laughs) (laughs) A confident docking. Uh, and bujitsu. <laughs> and I'm I'm gonna be honest, we've seen better acting from Pats too, I feel like. I don't know. It it wasn't great. And maybe it was just because it was covered in mud. I don't know. I thought it was decent. Are you talking about his speech? Yeah. The the crying, the breakdown. Uh Marcy loved it. Marcy loved it. Well, let's play it. They took everything I was. He used me to kill and to destroy, and I couldn't stop them. I should have been able to stop them. I tried. I tried so hard. I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't good enough. I should have been able to stop them. I should have. I should So... My brother is a human being after all. This is going to be with you a long time, Jean-Luc. A long time. You have to learn to live with it. You have a simple choice now. Live with it below the sea with Lewis. Or above the clouds with the Enterprise. I mean, I thought it was a totally fine scene of breaking down like you never see him like this and then it's suddenly just like a tidal wave and i i really like it i mean i think that the one thing i didn't necessarily like is the advice which was like just (laughs) live with it yeah well I, i had two revelations listening to that just now a the performance 
sounds amazing. So maybe it must have been something with the visual that bothered me with the mud. Like, (laughs) yeah, I feel like it just made his face seem expressionless as he was doing it. So maybe because that listening to the audio, I was like, oh, shit, that's good. The other thing I realized listening to audio is Robert, the act, that actor, I forget his name, must have grown up right next to Michael Caine because he sounds just like Michael Caine. <laughs> he must come from the same part of England. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I love the moment when he says, you're going to be living with this w- for a long time because that felt like a promise of the writer saying, like, we are not brushing over this. This right. is a deal. We're going to come back to this. This is part of Picard now. I like that. I do agree. Yeah, his his advice is like, this is what gets Picard through it. Just oh, live okay. with it, yeah. Just live with it. Yeah, camera. Choose where you're going to live with it at. I mean, yeah, it just felt a little like, well, we're running out of uh, time with the episode. Let's uh, fix them up. I got to tell you, uh, I think that the uh, his performance, I know what you mean about the performance not being as dramatic as we were so used to. And to me, I think that was a practical decision. In that particular moment, with the weight of the scene, I think Picard, the proper response would be to just cry, just buckets of of tears and i think patrick stewart would not want to go there because he's covered in mud and crying in mud i'm telling you it's not pleasant (laughs) (laughs) sounds like there's a story there yeah right no it just does not seem uh, to me that i've been a blubbering mess not in mud but (laughs) it's it's really uncomfortable and to me he knew that he could not let go completely not in that particular scene not covered in mud it would have been just the logistics would have been problematic Mm -hmm. So after that scene, uh, they apparently return home to drink wine and sing, and Marie walks in, and no one at any point says, I'm sorry, Marie, I'll clean that up. <laughs> Poor Marie. Yeah, the set, Poor Marie. The set designer went a little crazy with the mud footprints. Like, each one should be getting a little less muddy, and it's like every footprint gets, like, increasingly muddy. <laughs> They're basically cow pies. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they look like... Like huge cow pies, and like the wine spill on the floor just looks like a giant blood stain. There's like this big red stain at the first shot. And I'm like, I guess that's kind of a tropey thing is having two guys fight out their emotions. Like, yeah, that's kind of annoying too, but whatever. I think it's cute. Like, when she walks in and they're like singing, and you could tell that they kind of buried the hatchet basically at this point. Uh, and then uh, he decides he's going to leave. I think my favorite moment, my favorite performance of this episode is when Picard does the nice thing because the kid's talking about wanting to be a starship captain again. And Picard knows that's a touchy subject with his brother and he still wants to stay on good terms. So he's like, yeah, you know, you might think about doing something else. Who knows? And the kid just gives like this little head shake like, nah, fuck that. I'm not going to be in this place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm getting the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> Nephew. <laughs> yeah, I I I had a little tear though at the end when they're like hugging and then kissing at the mm-hmm. end. The I brothers. love that. I I've always loved those goodbyes. You know, mm-hmm. between two men to women man kisses. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Oh yeah, like I like it when men show affection outwardly and not just like. Er, bro, let's do some bro hugs. It was like sweet affection. Yeah, watch this, Marcy. Hey, Cameron, I love you. Give me. Oh, oh, ooh, so much beard. Oh, the beard's got tangled. Oh shit. Ramon, I'll give you this. No, no, this. Ramon, come on. This, I feel like the scruffleupagus right now. They're not shaving this morning. Let's rate it. What are we rating it in, Rob? I'm thinking Rokeg blood blood pies. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, how many slices out of ten slices of blood pie? 
Mm-hmm. That's a hard one. I think this episode's fine. I think maybe, I don't know, six too high? Six is what I was going to go with. I, I, I mean, I, I definitely like what they were going with. I like the world building. I like learning more about the characters. I like the episode overall, but yeah, not, you know. Yeah. Marcy, six. what's your number, Marcy? <laughs> I'm going to let Ramon give us his number. <laughs> well, the, the episode is definitely important. It yeah. was necessary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's not what we expected. It, or it's not what we are so used to. And taking all that into consideration, I give it seven slices. Seven? Oh, yeah, slices. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. Oh, yeah, I'm giving mine nine slices. Uh-huh. I love this mm-hmm. shit. Like, I know. I know. All the heartfelt family stuff, like... The only reason I didn't give it a 10 was because of the Crusher storyline. Like, they could have just <laughs> cut that. Like, yeah. and then Take I the USB had, aside and yeah, yeah like solid you 10. Yeah, like, more Sergey and Helena, like, <laughs> get rid mm-hmm. of the Crusher. But, yeah, it was great. Like, I was engaged. I love learning about the backstories. I think it's important. It's very important to Picard's character. Like, the acting was all well done. Like, we had so many, like, outside actors coming in, guest stars. And I think they all did really well. Even the guy that we love to hate. I mean, you still love to hate him. Like, even he, the- fun to he watch. got a response out of me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, anyway, 9 out of 10. Actually, Marcy, I'm surprised you did not give it an 8 because of that and also no data. There was no data in this episode. Yeah, this How is the only they? episode Wow, you're right. Data. Good point. You're the only right. episode? Yep, the only episode. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that. Thanks, Ramon. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess, okay, I'll give it an 8 but, out of 10. But, Ramon, but the, jod, the Jodpers make Ramon up for no data. Me. So no, the right. Jodpers are, are the replacement, the data oh, replacement. okay. Or the deep V. There's a lot of deep V. Okay, Cameron, you're right. I'll give it here. a 9 yeah. again. <laughs> Here's what I'd like you to to chime in on the on the on the Facebook page. I want you to talk about your favorite Picard parade. Um, okay. Uh, how do you feel about prune juice? And do you or do you not like your family? Those are the <laughs> all right. You got homework listeners, yeah. so get on it. Come to our Facebook page dot com slash greenshirt at greenshirt eighty seven if you are uh, of the Twitter persuasion and at greenshirt podcast on uh, Instagram. And always leave us five blood pies. And my middle iTunes. name is Scott. <laughs> that's the inf- is it? that's the info you get from me today. All right. So what's next? Something with a lot of lasers and ships blowing up. Oh. I hope. Although we did just have that ah, a couple episodes ago. So uh, brothers. 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 Wait. Is that not just that? Did they just replay this episode under a new title? <laughs> uh, or maybe? I mean. Well, we didn't have data this episode, so it's got to be a data episode. And if you talk about data's brother, that's lore. So, but what if brothers plural, lore and Robert team up <gasps> to take out their brothers? No. Yes, nice. Robert and lore together. <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm gonna write this fanfic tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking forward to. Plunging deeper into the wet hole of season four. (laughs) (laughs) Plunging deep. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, thank you for coming, Ramon. It was good seeing you. And Wujitsu. Oh, I was going to say that. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) And tune in next week. Bye, gang. Bye. Bye. I hate it when you do that.